This is the long green season after Pentecost. And uh, our godly play students learn to call this the green growing season. The green growing season. Any of you who keep a garden know that the green growing season is not a time to sort of sit back on your laurels and watch the garden take over. Right? You know that the green growing season is a time to get out there and prune and adjust and sometimes turn the soil over and fertilize where necessary, water a lot, and pull those weeds and you keep at it. It's a big piece of the green growing season. And I'm always fascinated at this time of year, simply by virtue of the way the academic year works, that a lot of people scatter when we get into this point where we're starting to hear the tough readings. The tough readings. You know, Easter is over. You know, all of the great things about the resurrection. It's not Christmas yet. So people kind of go, oh, okay, well, I don't have to go to church for a while. It's good to see you all here. Some of our ancient spiritual ancestors, the desert fathers and mothers, talked about a threefold spiritual path, which still rings true to us today. The three steps are purgation, illumination, and union. And there's a way in which they have to happen in that order. Purgation is the purging or the letting go of those things that block an authentic sense of ourselves in relationship with others and with God, those things that get in the way, or in the old language, to let go of all the idolatries that dominate our lives, whether they are habits or things that we obsess over, or whether they are ways that we project our fear and our darkness onto others and the world, or the way we internalize our own anxieties, or our anger, or our frustration. All of those things need to be purged in order for us to get to the next step, which is illumination. That is to learn who we really are in relationship with God and with God's creation. And what that finally leads us to as we grow into that place of deep self-knowledge and awareness and relationship, of mindfulness, if you like, is union. Union with God. Our worship space and our liturgy is set up with precisely those three steps in mind. The entrance of the church is dominated by the baptismal font which from very ancient times was thought of a purgative event, a way of purging ourselves of the world's claim on us so that we might find a new identity, a new claim. We could recognize God's claim on us. And then you all do what's next in line, and that is the illumination bit, when we sit here and hear the word of God read to us, and disclosed to us, and we converse about that, and we are taught about that here in the nave. And then the final step in the liturgy, of course, is we come forward to communion, where we recognize our union with God, and we set aside all of the differences and all of the things that divide us, even if for just a moment, 
to recognize that we are together in God's grace. We are in union with each other. And we do this over and over again. This is the spiritual breathing, if you will, of the Christian community and of the Christian journey. And it is hard to really live into. Nobody wants to be told to take the purgative step. Right? Who wants to undergo purgation? I mean, do you turn on the TV and see people saying, here's how you let go of the things that bind you? Well, you might find that in some televangelists, but probably not on your regular television station. But in case you think that's just unique to our time and place, it's not because the desert fathers and mothers in the second century left the world of the Roman Empire to go out into the wilderness precisely for that reason, to purge themselves, to face their own inner darkness, and to share that journey with others who were willing to take those essential steps towards union with God. And in fact... That challenge goes back even further. We confront a little piece of it today in the reading from Jeremiah. We don't get the full picture in Jeremiah today. And in fact, if you take the reading by itself today, you might think it's kind of an innocuous conversation between Jeremiah and one of his maybe friendly opponents. We're not sure. But if you look at the wider context, you start to realize what's happening here. Hananiah is the prophet that everybody wants. Hananiah is the prophet who says, it's okay, you're okay, I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay, things are going to be fine. The Babylonians have invaded the southern kingdom and have walked away with much of the wealth of the temple and taken some of the elites with them to Babylon. It's a few years after that and Hananiah comes and says, this is only going to last a couple more years. And then the subtext is, things will go back to the way they were. Things will go back to the way they were. Don't we all want to hear that? Especially when we encounter challenge and stress in our lives. Things will go back to normal. Things are going to be okay. Things are going to be fine. Jeremiah has the much less popular job of speaking the truth, which is things are not going to be okay. In fact, Jeremiah has had nothing but trouble from the beginning for saying precisely that. He has been pointing out the corruption of the kings of ancient Israel. He has been pointing out the corruption of the religious tradition. He has been pointing out the way people have fallen down on their jobs. And he has even gone so far, and this makes him really popular, to say that, you know, the Babylonians coming in is kind of, kind of God's way of saying, wake up, folks. We have work to do. The thing is, Jeremiah is about to tell Hananiah, you're not going to be around much longer. And in fact, within months, Hananiah dies. And within a few years, the second deportation begins. And that includes the complete raising of the temple, the destruction of Jerusalem, and the end of the people's tradition as they have known it. And they will be in exile for nearly four generations before they return 
to their homeland. Now, who wants to hear that? Moreover, who wants to live into the reality of that kind of purgation? I wouldn't. Would you? Paul, in his letter to the Romans today, is, you can almost hear him sweating bullets over the parchment as he wrestles with this tension between the law and grace. He has told the Romans, you are free from the law now. And you can almost hear them wondering out loud, well, great, we can do whatever we want then, can't we? So Paul is going to great lengths to tell them, no, you are now slaves to Christ. Christ has opened the door to you by grace, but you still have to walk through it. You have to show up. To use one of Jesus' more famous metaphors, it's like the camel through the eye of the needle. You have to shed all of the baggage that you've been carrying with you in order to get through the door. Purgation. Letting go. Purging. Letting go of those things that block you from embracing the love that God is offering you. People who suffer from destructive addiction know this reality very well. But trust me, a lot of them find it very hard to let go. So do we all. Letting go, setting aside the baggage, so that we can get through the door of grace. Purgation is very, very hard. Jesus' disciples have learned just how hard that path is, too. Disciples shares the same root as the word discipline. The grace that they have received in the gospel that Jesus has passed on to them has demanded so much of them. They have had to let go of so much, and now they are being sent forth to proclaim the gospel to a world that is desperately in need of hearing it. Jesus promises them a prophet's reward. Who wants the reward of the prophet Jeremiah? But then he reminds them that by being accepted and embraced with even the smallest of mercies, maybe a cup of coffee apiece, or a cup of water, they will encounter the love of God And the honor they receive will be the honor that Jesus receives. A new life will start to unfold for them, as is promised for all who take the hard steps in the spiritual life, who are willing to let go of this life for a greater life, a greater good. people of God in their exile in Babylon, when they have lost everything, when they have been purged of all of the corruption of kings and the power over their own lives and destiny, of the social corruption that infected their life in Jerusalem, 
will discover that the God they thought they knew is much greater. They will discover a tribal God that they thought they knew is actually the God of all creation, the God of the cosmos. And it will cause them to reinvent their tradition in a new way that will be much more durable, portable, if you will, something that they can carry on from generation to generation, no matter what is happening around them politically, no matter what empire subjects them. Because those empires will be temporary. Babylon will not stand forever. But God's truth will. And in fact, that is the tradition we inherit from that time. It's the tradition that Jesus will build on. It's the tradition that the rabbis will later build on in later Jewish tradition. It is the recognition that our God is greater than we thought him to be. After purgation, they are illumined to discover the God they thought they knew, to rediscover themselves in a new light of a God that they now know more deeply than ever. And that truth carries them through the exile and beyond. Most of us will experience purgation. Most of us have. We know that. We call it various things. We call it suffering. We call it exile. We call it a willingness to surrender to things that are beyond our control. To surrender ourselves to God. The promise for us is that we will rediscover God at work in our lives. And as we enter union, we will become emissaries for Christ. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R MV for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.